Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Everything's running smoothly. Yo, what's going on? It's Hartzell. Happy hump day, baby. So here's what's going on. All right, so Tuesdays, you know, we take back America. Self, Professor Harvey K. He's Professor Emeritus over at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. Well, we do that Tuesdays. Had a whole thing all done, wrapping up FDR month, and uh, the power goes out. So we weren't able to get it released yesterday. And I got a Sporting KC game today, U.S. Open Cup quarterfinals. So here's what we're going to do. I think that we should just hit play from yesterday, today, back in your feeds tomorrow, rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do. Kansas City, how about that? Does that work? That's gonna work. I love you. It's a good day to be a Kansas Cityan. Always. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. I am black January 11, 1970, victory belonged to Hank Stram and his Kansas City Chiefs. TV9 News special report, close up the flood of 77. From the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, it's Milwaukee Bucks against the Kansas City Kings. Now Kansas Cityans must decide what happens next. What is to follow the city's Holy Week riots? I am here at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. Daryl Motley awaits, and the Kansas City Royals are world champions. <laughs> professor Harvey K., my brother. He is the professor emeritus at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. Professor K., I think every week now. I think that intro just gets sweeter and sweeter. I mean, that sounded especially good today. I'm just saying. How are you, my brother? Well, I'm okay. I must say, it's great to see you. I see you, you see me, but the rest of the world doesn't see us. But I have to say that that, that's a very energetic introduction, and it is sounding great. But people should know that that's energetic only because we're in air-conditioned spaces. (laughs) I mean, please understand, I know that KC is hotter than GB. Okay, what are you at, like 99 right now? We chatted two seconds ago and I told you it was 99. I can report now we have officially hit 100 degrees. Well, I could say then we're hot, man. I'm telling you, we're hot. (laughs) When we said last week that this is going to be a hot, radical summer, I don't think we meant to be this on the nose with it, but here we are. (laughs) I'll give up the hot and keep the radical if I have a choice. I also know that we've got a wedding coming up. Yeah, please, everyone, not mine, okay? (laughs) Not mine. And I want to tell the story both of what I've been up to and also the wedding you referred to. But I do want to note, I don't want to forget to note that Angela in Kansas City has given you a very nice Yoda mug. Look at that, huh? Ears and all. At first, I thought it was an angel mug, and I had a hard time associating angelic with you. (laughs) But, 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 it is a really handsome mug. Absolutely. Actually, we, we need to create a Casey Morning Show mug. Casey Morning Show. Or actually, why not you know, have Casey Morning Show on both sides? And it could say, Hartzell and Harvey, take back America. Even better, I think, yeah, we have Casey Morning Show on the outside of the mug. But I think on the inside of that mug, so say when you're looking at the bottom of your cup, I think it's a picture of Harvey K. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but I'll tell you what, wearing my Green Bay Packers cap. <laughs> well, I have been busy. I've been doing a number of shows. Just today, I interviewed, I was interviewed by Jordan Chariton, who does the Status Coup news program. He wanted to talk to me about something I've been talking forever about, and especially during these last 18 months. You know, my suspicion at the outset that FDR was going to be reproduced in Joe Biden somehow. Okay, then it became all the clearer that no way is Joe Biden FDR. And this week in particular, hell, even before he interviewed me, I was outraged to discover that Biden was naming a subversive to the Social Security Advisory Board. I say subversive because this is a guy who in the past has wanted to privatize elements of Social Security, a certain amount of that. I mean, it's just just awful. What kind of Democratic president? That sounds like something George Bush wanted to pull. Although actually, the first person to be willing to give way on Social Security was Bill Clinton. He yep. was prepared. So I take it back. I mean, it's all part of these. The neoliberal game is to pretend they're progressive. And what would Thomas Paine say to all this, Professor Harvey K? He would say, up yours is what he would say. <laughs> He'd say, up yours, because you never, ever do anything but universal social programs. Mm -hmm. You do not want of what has been a universal program or a new program to be considered a form of charity. Please, no, this is universal. He would have said, as, as we know, that if somebody who's rich doesn't want to receive it, bullshit. They have to accept it, and then they can give it back if they want. They first must accept it. So anyhow, did that this morning. I'm not sure when it posts, if it's tonight, tomorrow, I'm not exactly sure. I'll let you know, obviously, when it does. And then a couple of weeks ago, I did a, a podcast, a YouTube podcast with Marianne Williamson on FDR and his legacy, which meant criticizing the recent neoliberals, Democrats. This Thursday evening... At 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, our time, Central, we're going to do a live stream on what FDR, how did FDR respond to inflation? Not that we expect Biden to rise to the occasion, but people should know that the Federal Reserve is a very recent, if you like, a very recent weapon, not even a weapon, Jesus Christ, the Federal Reserve, when it's called upon to address inflation, they generally do it in favor of the corporate world, you know, they raise interest rates. Now you can say that's unfavor corporate world, but the ones who get screwed are workers who get laid off from their jobs, basically, because of the higher cost of, of borrowing money to invest in, in new plant and equipment production operations. So anyway, that's, that's Thursday night. But then to move on to the wedding question, I'll be going to New York. Our daughter is getting married in Brooklyn, New York. Saturday night is the wedding. But on the Friday night, in place of a traditional rehearsal dinner, everyone's invited to the Packers bar in New York where they first met. Yeah. And everyone is requested. I don't know if it's required, requested to wear green and gold or at least green or gold in honor of the Green Bay Packers. But they also said that if you are not a Packers fan... And who the hell's not a Packers fan, man? <laughs> I was waiting for it. But if you're not a Packers fan... Okay, you should wear your own team colors, by the way, especially if you have one, a jersey. So, you know, if any folks are coming from Kansas City, I expect they'll have a, a Chiefs jersey, right? So when I overnight you my Chiefs jersey, you're going to wear it in tribute to me, correct? So I'm there in spirit. Well, I'll wear it inside out. How's that? <laughs> we can meet in the middle. That works. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give people a heads up, next week, Hartzell will be broadcasting here on the Casey Morning Show Tuesday when we normally do our Tuesday Take Back America. An episode from the past, okay? Or he'll play part of 
what I talk about with Jordan Charrington. But then on July 4th, you should play it on July 4th, on that Monday, an episode we did sometime past where we recited Langston Hughes' poem, Let America Be America Again, which is one of the greatest poems in American history and one of the most historical poems in American history. So One of our best segments. So I can't wait to hit play on that one again. Oh, good. I'm thoroughly enjoyed that one. I really, really am proud of what we did that time. And then on July 11th, we'll come back with something. When we record on July 11th, we'll come back with something, I hope, brand new. Or we won't come up with something brand new. We'll schmooze as to how we've been for the last one, two, was it like three weeks from now, right? Well, remember we said we were going to do some poetry maybe on that first episode back? Okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, no, that I think we should definitely. Let's go poetic in July. Why not, right? Now, today, I don't want everyone to shed a tear when I report. Today, we are going to do the last of the FDR speeches. He was to have delivered this speech that we're going to do on April 13th, 1945, as a Jefferson Day radio address. However, he did not have an opportunity to do that because he passed away in Warm Springs, Georgia, on April 12th, but he had already written the speech. And if you don't know, Warm Spring, Georgia is where starting the 1920s, he, he took possession of it. He established a rehabilitation center for polio sufferers. He was stricken with polio. He wanted to help others stricken with polio so that whether you were a child or an adult, you would have a, a resort to come to, you would receive certain kinds of therapies, and you would be able to enjoy yourself in swimming pools and out in the, in the woods and so on and so forth. So this is the speech that he was prepared to deliver on April 13th, but never did get to deliver. And this speech is significant in this sense. It is really a message by the president of the United States in 1945 to his fellow Americans. And he's just recently been, been elected to the fourth term as president. And this was a speech to, to Americans as to what Americans' responsibilities were in some ways, that Americans should think of themselves as citizens of the United States and citizens of the world. This was the speech which we could actually trace back in his imagination to 1920, when he ran for vice president on the Democratic ticket. And the Democrats in 1920, basically as heirs to Wilson's vision of a League of Nations, they were running on the League of Nations idea. However, the Republicans attacked them for doing so, arguing that it was a plan that would undermine American sovereignty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the Democrats lost. But FDR never gave up that idea. FDR once said, I hate war. We should not have war. And he believed that one way of doing that, one way to guarantee or at least try to guarantee there would not be war was to create this then League of Nations and now, in his own words, United Nations. The four freedoms that he spoke of in 1941, freedom of speech and expression, freedom of worship, freedom from want and freedom from fear. Freedom from fear, Americans understood in an even more progressive way than he actually laid it out. In his own speech, the freedom from fear had to do with setting up relations among nations and the reduction of weapons so that no nation could carry out war against other nations. Americans heard it as basically not only that, but also, for example, that we should bring an end to Jim Crow segregation in the South, that Jewish families should be safe on the streets of Boston and Brooklyn and not have to worry about being attacked by right-wing Irish Catholic thugs. Everyone heard it in their own way, and it's just as well that they did. But in any case, 
FDR wanted to see a world without war. So what we're going to do here is we're going to read almost all of the speech. It's not terribly long. We've left out a few paragraphs which aren't necessary today. We didn't discuss it as to how we'll do it, but my suggestion is, how about if we just go every other paragraph? You want to launch or you'd like me to launch? Professor K, kick it off for us. Okay. Americans are gathered together this evening in communities all over the country to pay tribute to the living memory of Thomas Jefferson, one of the greatest of all Democrats. And I want to make it clear that I'm spelling that word Democrats with a small D. I wish I had the power just for this evening to be present at all of these gatherings. In this historic year, more than ever before, we do well to consider the character of Thomas Jefferson as an American citizen of the world. Today, we have learned in the agony of war that great power involves great responsibility. Today, we can no more escape the consequences of German and Japanese aggression than we could avoid the consequences of attacks by the Barbary Corsairs a century and a half before. And I'll just sidebar it by saying that Jefferson sent ships after to pacify and eliminate as a threat. We, as Americans, do not choose to deny our responsibility. Nor do we intend to abandon our determination that within the lives of our children and our children's children, there will not be a third world war. We seek peace, enduring peace. More than an end to war, we want an end to the beginning of all wars. Yes, an end to this brutal, inhuman and thoroughly impractical method of settling differences between governments. The once powerful, malignant Nazi state is crumbling. The Japanese warlords are receiving, in their own homeland, the retribution for which they've asked when they attacked Pearl Harbor. But the mere conquest of our enemies is not enough. We must go on to do all in our power to conquer the doubts and the fears, the ignorance and the greed which made this horror possible. Thomas Jefferson, himself a distinguished scientist, once spoke of the brotherly spirit of science, which unites into one family all of its votaries of whatever grade and however widely dispersed throughout the different quarters of the globe. Today, science has brought all the different quarters of the globe so close together that it is impossible to isolate them one from another. Today, we are faced with the preeminent fact that if civilization is to survive, we must cultivate the science of human relationships, the ability of all peoples of all kinds to live together and work together in the same world at peace. Let me assure you that my hand is the steadier for the work that is to be done, that I move more firmly into the task, knowing that you, millions and millions of you, are joined with me in the resolve to make this work endure. The work, my friends, is peace. More than an end of this war, an end to the beginnings of all wars. Yes, an end forever to this impractical, unrealistic settlement of the differences between governments by the mass killing of peoples. Today, as we move against the terrible scourge of war, as we go forward toward the greatest contribution that any generation of human beings can make in this world, the contribution of lasting peace, I ask you to keep up your faith. I measure the sound, solid achievement that can be made at this time by the straight edge of your own confidence and your resolve. And to you and to all Americans who dedicate themselves with us to making an abiding peace, I say, the only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. Let us move forward with strong and active faith. So when I hear this, Professor K, and this is me talking now, I hear FDR saying, 
And I wish we could have heard him actually say this. I hear someone that's asking us not only to keep the faith, but he's saying to keep the faith because it's our duty to do so. Right. It is our duty and our responsibility, not simply conquest and the defeat of Nazi Germany, Imperial Japan and earlier fascist Italy, but literally, truly the creation of peace. That is, well, we know we know what was coming because we've lived in the decades later. That is, we know that a Cold War was coming. We know that any number of small wars that cost millions of lives have ensued. But the vision that he offered of the United States acting as a peacemaker, as an ally in the United Nations, as an ally not, you know, not only amongst ourselves, but as an ally globally, well, it's still there. His words are still there. One can hope. Right now, of course, what's going on in Ukraine leaves, you know, leaves us rather, rather sad and actually fearful of what may actually ensue as a consequence. It doesn't mean it's over. Okay. The struggle goes on. And it's another one of those instances where if Biden hones in to the real FDR through line, when you say you're trying to heal the soul of America, okay, well, sure. But why? Tell me that it's so important and tell me that it's our duty to do so. If you're not going to lead by example, well, then you have got to at least stress the importance of it all. That's more than just platitudes on paper, because without that, then you're just saying words. No matter how big and lofty the words sound, there's no there's no get there. Build back better platitudes. That's what it's been about. And you know what we got? We got a build back bummer out of it. Hey, that's good. Now that that is really good. <laughs> Professor K, as you and and I and all of us now have gone through eight months of FDR. Has it really been eight months of FDR? Eight months when we first started out. You you did say we should not rush through FDR. And that was great by me, because let's remind everyone, <laughs> if they're interested in reading for themselves, either to themselves or reading it aloud. And if anyone wants to read it aloud and send us a tape, I'm sure we'll find a way to use it. I want to recommend my own book, okay, (laughs) (laughs) that I curated and edited, FDR on Democracy, Harvey JK. It's available. You can order it through small bookstores, big bookstores, online, you name it. Well, and hell, keep plugging away, my friend, because Dave Sirota, who was a part of oh, Don't yeah. Look Up, that film that was, I think, captivated all of us, yeah. editor of the, the Lever and does so much. He was stumping for your book as well. He did a great job. He sent out that tweet, exactly what we need at this moment of history, The Fight for the Four Freedoms by Harvey J.K. and FDR and Democracy by Harvey J.K. Who is that Harvey J.K.? <laughs> <laughs> so what are our next steps, you think? If, if anyone who has been moved by this FDR series, where else would you suggest that they go? They should go to Hyde Park in New York. They should visit Hyde Park. Great museum of FDR's presidency. Beautiful setting in the Hudson Valley, right along the shoreline of the Hudson River. It's gorgeous, the Hudson River Valley up there. Absolutely gorgeous. If you can get to Washington, D.C., you can get to see not only the monuments, which I love the monuments, whether it's a monument of Thomas Jefferson Martin Luther King Jr., Franklin Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln. If you do get there, try to go both day and night. In the evening, it's stunning, absolutely stunning. And if you've all seen, I'm laughing, Planet of the Apes, there's that famous moment when Wahlberg lands on the, on the steps of the uh, Lincoln Memorial, I guess it was. But no, seriously, I, I recommend Hyde Park in New York State, just a stone's throw in many ways from New York City going north, or Washington, D.C. And if you're in New York City, try to get out to the FDR 
park on Roosevelt Island in between Queens and Manhattan, stunning views of the city, especially of the United Nations, which we've just been talking about the importance of creating the United Nations. Yeah, I mean, you got to do that. You got to do that. And, you know, it's also the case that if you go online, you could probably search for tapes. I think if you go to the FDR library online, you can find recordings of almost all of these speeches that we've been reading. You may not find his voice as beautiful as our voices. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how could they? They've had eight months of us, Harvey. Well, you know, the best part, Hartzell, is we didn't try to sound like him, actually. It didn't do that. And I'm proud of us for not having done that. Nor did we try to wear those glasses that you wore. You know, the, I can't even pronounce the name of those glasses. They're a French name or something like that. So I got to ask you before we wrap up, Professor K, you know, I always ask all my interviewees, you know, is it a good day to be a Kansas Cityan? So as we wrap up FDR month, eight months later, is this still our rendezvous with destiny, Professor K? Yes, but let's make sure people realize the rendezvous with destiny should not be a debacle. It should not be a debacle. And but I, as long as you brought up Kansas City, I do want to congratulate you and your Kansas Cityans, your colleagues, comrades and fellow citizens there. I want to congratulate you on having picked up one of the bases. You are one of the World Cup cities. We are a World Cup city. And that'll be in what year? 2026. I also want to say something in case somebody in with a lot of money or the owner of a TV show, a TV station, radio, whatever it is. Hartzell's on his way up as the voice of Kansas City. Hartzell, you can't edit this out. Hartzell's on his way up. Hartzell's voice will be, if I have anything to do about it, will be the voice of the World Cup in Kansas City. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be very cool. In 26, you and me go see some World Cup games? Absolutely. Professor K, my brother, where can folks find you on the internet? On Twitter, Harvey, H-A-R-V-E-Y, initial J-K-A-Y-E, Harvey J-K. You can get me at Hartzell965. You get the show, The KC Morning Show, at KC Morning Show on Twitter, at The KC Morning Show on Instagram and everywhere else. My brother, I know it's hot, but I tell you what, you warm my radical soul no matter the temperature, my friend. I'll give you a better compliment. You're cool. On this hot day, you're cool. <laughs> my brother in solidarity, I'll see you in a couple weeks. We'll text along the way, okay? Oh, I'll be texting you at that wedding because I will be sending you a jersey and I also want a cheers through the phone. Guaranteed. Love you, brother. Love you. I'm not
Oh, I try not to fall apart 